Um, well, we are uh, taking this 30,000 v- foot view of the Bible in our series called Storyline. And uh, what we're doing is we're going from beginning uh, to end, from Genesis to Revelation, and we're looking at this, this single thread that runs throughout the entire Bible that points us to Jesus and his gospel. And, and when we say the gospel, what we mean by that is that Jesus came and he lived the life that you and I cannot live and he died the death that every single one of us deserved to die because of our sin, but that he took our place on the cross and that when we put our faith in Jesus, he gets all of the curse for our sin and we get all the blessing for his obedience. And then when we put our faith in Jesus, not only uh, do we have forgiveness of sin, but we go from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive. That uh, uh, we have uh, forgiveness of sins. We have a right relationship with our Heavenly Father. We become adopted sons and daughters of the one true King. And we have all the rights and privileges that go with his name. So when we say gospel, it's so much more than walking on an aisle or you know, raising a hand or signing a card. It is a lifestyle that we embrace every single day that it's more of Jesus and less of us. And so that's what the Bible points us to, is points us to him. And uh, today uh, we get to the story uh, of Moses. And uh, the story of Moses is not about Moses, okay? The story of Moses is about a God who saves and rescues. And and today, uh, we're going to talk about this uh, famous story um, between Moses and God in the burning bush, okay? So that's where we're going to be this morning. And before we get to our text, um, the text is going to show us four things. Let me just give, us, give them to us up front, and then we'll unpack them as we go along. But four observations um, that we're going to pick up this morning as we look at this story in Exodus chapter 3. But what we see is that God meets us on the detours of life. That God meets us on the detours of life. That uh, detours lead uh, to discovering God. And then we're going to discover why, why is it possible for you and I to discover God? And when, we, when do we know that we've actually discovered God? So those, these four things, that's where the scripture is going to take us this morning is, uh, as we talk about the life of Moses and the God who saves and rescues. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to Exodus, okay, Exodus, it's Genesis and Exodus. I don't think you could get lost there. If you didn't bring your Bibles, we're going to put it up on the screen. Um, But uh, we started this series. We've kind of gone through Genesis and the stories that we haven't picked up. Uh, Some of those stories, the recap Bible class have been talking about. And today we get to Exodus and we're going to talk about this detour that that Moses is on. So let's uh, let's start in verse 1 of chapter 3. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Harab, the mountain of God. Now, let's just stop right there and ask the question, how did Moses get to where, to this place that he's tending a flock of sheep? Well, if you went back and we read Exodus 1 and 2, what we're going to see is that when Moses was born, Pharaoh uh, ordered that all the uh, baby Hebrew uh, boys be executed, be thrown into the Nile. 
And uh, Moses' mother hid him until she couldn't hide him anymore. And then she put him in a basket and floated him into the Nile River uh, to the place where Pharaoh's daughter would come and bathe. And Pharaoh's daughter uh, finds this baby, finds baby Moses, asks her dad, hey, can we keep him? And uh, he says yes. And then Moses' sister, who's kind of watching from a distance, goes up to her and says, hey, do you want, this is one of the Hebrew babies. Do you want me to find uh, one of the moms to, to nurse and take care of this baby uh, and, and then bring him back to you? And she says yes. And so she goes, gets her mom and Moses' mom, and she's able to take care of him and teach him uh, who he is. And then uh, upon the appropriate age, takes him back to Pharaoh and he grows up in, in Pharaoh's uh, house to become, and is trained to become a, a general, okay, and the Egyptian army. And one day, Moses, knowing that he's Hebrew, uh, that he's, he's Jewish, uh, sees an Egyptian um, uh, soldier uh, abusing a Hebrew slave because Israel, they were slaves to the people of Egypt for 432 years of slavery. And uh, he ends up killing the, uh, the Egyptian soldier and he runs off into the desert and he meets, uh, he meets uh, uh, the, the, these, uh, these sisters and he ends up marrying one of them and that's how he becomes a... Uh, a, uh, a shepherd, and that's how he ends up where he's at. So all that is found in chapters one and two. So verse two says, there an angel of the Lord appeared to him in, fl- in flames of fire within a bush. And Moses saw that through, though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and I will see this strange sight as why the bush does not burn up because that is a strange sight that if a bush is on fire it tends to be consumed by the fire so so Moses he goes over now now it literally says that he turned aside and and that's a detour okay that a detour is a deviation from the original course and as we just heard Moses's life is one big fat Detour that Moses, he, he was raised in the, the household of Pharaoh to be an Egyptian general on one hand, but on the other hand, he was also raised to be a leader of the people of Israel. But because he killed this Egyptian soldier, he ran out into the desert to save his life. And it seemed like that his life was over. It seemed like everything in his life was going wrong. It seemed like that he was out in the middle of the desert in the middle of nowhere, right? But the irony is, it's because he is in the middle of nowhere that he meets God. So we need to remember that. Because many times in our lives, it feels like our life took a detour, right? I mean, one day life seems to be fine. We get that phone call. We get that text. We have that meeting. And all of a sudden, life doesn't look like we want it to look like anymore. That's a detour. And God meets us on the detours of life. Look at verse 4. It says, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here am I. 
Now, Moses could have said, okay, look, I, I don't have time for that. I know that's an unusual sight to see a bush on fire, but yet it's not on fire. It's not being consumed, but, but I'm too busy. I got all these sheep I got to take care of. I got all these sheep to tend to. I don't have time to go over there. I don't, I'm too busy to go over there. He, he could have said that, but he goes over. So, so how can one of the most important recorded meetings with God be a detour. Well, don't miss this. God meets us in the desert. God meets us when we're in the wilderness. God meets us on the detours of life. God meets us wherever we are. And when we think that our life is on a detour, it really may be that God has us on spiritual main street. That that's exactly where God wants us to be. That, you know, it, it, it's when that you and I are on a detour in life. It's when you and I kind of find ourselves in the desert that we start thinking about God in ways that we've never thought about him before, right? When, when things are, are pressured, when things are, aren't really going according to plan, it seems like those times are when we seek after God in ways that we've never sought after him before. That we're more attuned to him, that we're more, that we press in a little bit more when things are, when life seems to be on a detour. And so when we think we're on the back road to nowhere, it might just be right where God wants us to be because God meets us on the detours of life. And that's good news. Second, detours lead us to discovering God. Look at verses five and six. God said, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Remember, we talked about those guys, okay? At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So, so literally, God says to him, stop. Come no closer. And God says to Moses, take off your sandals, not because you're about to be on holy ground, but because you are on holy ground. Okay, now, now this word holy, okay, it means set apart. It, it, it means uh, without blemish, without sin. In fact, if, you know, holy God, he is so holy that, that anything that is even the slightest bit sinful cannot be in the presence of holy God, okay? You and I, without Jesus, apart from Jesus, we could not survive in the presence of a holy God. And God says, take off your sandals, not because you're about to be on holy ground, but because you are on holy ground. Now, now I know it's hard for us to get our, our finite minds around the concept of holy because holy for us means, you know, stained glass and a beautiful cathedral and organ music playing in the background and, you know, everybody's being respectful and we're whispering so that God can't hear us. But there's nothing scary about that about that picture of holiness. There's nothing sacred about that picture of holiness, but, but Moses is scared because God told Moses, you're on holy ground right now. You're standing on it. You're in fatal territory because you are in close proximity to holy God. 
Verse 7. So then the Lord said, and, and this is good news. If you've got a highlighter or a pen, get ready to underline this. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I mean, 430 years of slavery. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. And what we can take from that verse is that God, he sees our misery in our pain. Okay? He, he hears our, our, our cries, and, and he is concerned about our suffering that God sees our difficult and painful circumstances and he is present in those. Deuteronomy says that the Lord, he says, do not be afraid or terrified because of them, but the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. That God not only sees our difficult and painful circumstances, but he is fully present in our difficult and painful circumstances. Verse eight says, so I have come down to rescue them. So God has come down. God is getting involved. God is active. God is not waiting on Moses to move to him. God is initiating this, this, this rescue mission. Just like he initiates his rescue mission with us. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into good and spacious land, the land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites and Hittites and Amorites and Preserites and Hivites and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites have reached me and I have seen the way of the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go and I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I that, that I should go to Pharaoh? And bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it, that it is I who have sent you. And when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. See, God says, I, I want you to go to Pharaoh. And I want you to go speak to him. And Mo Moses says, well, I, I don't want to do that. I, I, I don't want to do that. I, I'm not equipped for that. In fact, I've, I've, you know, I've got this speech problem and, and many people felt like it was a stuttering problem. I, I got this speech impediment. I, I, I don't want to do that. I'm not qualified for that. I'm not equipped for that. People are not going to listen to me. Verse 13, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, hey, the God of your fathers has sent me to you and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are saying to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. In other words, the one true living God has sent me to you. And this is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. 
So basically Moses said, listen, God, people are not going to listen to me. What, 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 they're gonna ask me, what is, what is this God's name? What is God's name? And, and, and I, I don't even know your name. And God says, you tell them I am that I am. God, God is saying to Moses, I, I am not who you want me to be. Okay, I am who I am. Now, now here's the problem. Okay, let's, let's just be honest. Most people want a God that fits them. I, that, I mean, that, that's just human nature. That, that, that people, we, we, want, we want a little bit of holiness, okay? But not too much holiness because we don't want to be a Jesus freak, Okay. We don't want to be a holy roller, okay? We don't want to be, you know, better than, you know, because, you know, have people see us as better than thou, you know? So, so just a little bit of holiness, not too much holiness. And we want to, you know, we want a little bit of, uh, we want a little bit of truth, but not too much because some of these truths make me feel uncomfortable and some of these truths make me feel, you know, make me feel bad. And some of these truths I don't really agree with. So, you know, hold that truth and hold that truth, but give me this truth. And, and then I want a little bit of wrath and justice for the people who give it on my bad side. Right? That's kind of what we want. And then all of us, everybody wants a God who's completely loving and completely accepting and completely forgiving and never contradicts us. But when we begin to read and study the Bible, you and I will begin to encounter the real God of the Bible. And that we, when we start to read and study the Bible, we will quit looking for a God who will suit all of our needs and we will discover a God who has already met all of our needs. That we need to go to the God who reveals himself in the Bible that, that, that we don't always understand. That sometimes the God of the Bible will say things that are difficult. Sometimes the God of the Bible will say things what we don't like, but at least we will know that we're dealing with the real God who loves us enough to be who he says he is and wants to have a personal relationship with us, who loves us enough to not wait on us to get our act straight or turn around or stop doing this and start doing that. And he initiates this rescue mission with us. At least that's who we will discover because that's the God of the Bible. And that's what happens when, we dis when we're on a detour. We will start discovering that God of the Bible, not a God that, that makes us, that, 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 that never uh, contradicts us. And so that's, that's the God that we discover. So why is it possible for us to discover God? Well, think about what's going on here. Moses is in the presence of a holy God, and he's not dead. Right? That, 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 that's a plus. That's a thumbs up. Okay? So right away we see that God's a saving God. He's a merciful God. So in almost everything Moses has said up to this point, back to this holy God, is in the form of whining and complaining. Okay? So how in the world can you whine and argue and complain and question the holy God of the universe while you're standing in the danger zone? Because we have a merciful God, that's why. And this holy God enters into a personal relationship with a whiner and complainer. And so we find out how this is possible in verse two. In verse two, it says, the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord was in the bush mediating 
this, 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 this meeting between God and Moses. And God is speaking to Moses and Moses is speaking to God through the angel of the Lord. And we're like, okay, well, that's a little interesting. But Mark, aren't there lots of angels in the Bible? Yes, but this isn't one of them. This angel receives worship from Moses. None of the other angels receive worship from an individual. But this angel receives worship from Moses. When Moses took off his, uh, his sandals, that was an act of humility. That was an act of worship. And this angel receives it. And so that tells us that this angel is Jesus. This angel's Jesus. And so years later, okay, years later, thousands and thousands of years later, Jesus is arguing with some religious leaders. John chapter eight, okay? You can go back to our John series, look this one up. But John chapter eight, these religious leaders say, well, don't you know who we are? We're the children of Abraham. Are you greater than Abraham? And Jesus looks straight dead at them and says, truly, truly, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. And these guys go ballistic. Because they know what Jesus is saying when he says, I am. What he's saying is, I am God. And they wanted to kill him. And it's only through the gospel of Jesus Christ that we can have a God who demands everything and can accept anything all at the same time. Okay, it's, only, it's only through the cross of Jesus where, where, where an absolutely holy, demanding, righteous God can also be at the same time absolutely loving, accepting, and forgiving. And only through the cross was every holy demand of God satisfied for us by, his, by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's why it's possible for you and I to discover the holy God of the universe is through Jesus Christ. And so when do you and I know, last point, when do you and I know we've discovered God? You and I know that we discover God when we experience the call. Remember, remember from Abraham the call when God's grace finds Abraham? See, every time someone meets God, every time someone, uh, God's call of grace comes on their life, they're sent out. Abraham, God says, I, I want to bless you. Now, now leave everything you've ever known. The prophet Isaiah, we'll get to him, but God says to Isaiah, you're completely loved and forgiven. Now go be a preacher to a group of people that will never listen to you. To Moses, he says, even though you're a whiner and one of the biggest ones I've ever met, I want you to go tell Pharaoh that you're taking his entire free labor force. See, the life of Moses began to cause others to rethink their relationship with God. The life of Moses caused others to, to rethink their concept of who God was. Now we don't have to go out and be like Moses, but what we need to do is to put our faith in Jesus and let the holiness of God dwell in us and shine through us. And as you and I encounter God, 
Fear will be replaced with peace. Sadness will be replaced with joy. And low self-esteem will be replaced with confidence. And God will come into our lives and he will turn us into something beautiful and unexplainable as he sends us out. Now, as the band comes, let me just say this, because if we're an unexperienced God, he's going to send us out. We're like, well... I don't know about that. I mean, is he going to send me on a mission trip to a foreign country? So I'm kind of a germ freak and I don't know about all that. Maybe. But probably not today. But I promise you today, he's going to send us back to our homes. He's going to send us to our neighborhoods. He might send us to a waiter or waitress after, after, after church today. He's going to send us back to our office tomorrow. He's going to send us back to our campuses tomorrow. And having met the holy God and having experienced his grace through Jesus Christ, we're being sent out. And we say, well, I'm I'm not that brave. Anybody that that they can resonate with that? I'm I'm not sure I'm that brave. You know what God would say? I am. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm that strong. God would say, I am. I'm, I'm not consistent. I am. Well, I'm not. I'm not faithful. I am. I, I, I'm not perfect. I am. Well, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not loving. I am. I, I, I'm not kind. I am. I, I'm, not, I'm not a patient person. I am. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not qualified. I am. I, I don't know it. I don't... I, I don't I'm not smart enough. I am. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not equipped to do this. I am. No, nobody, nobody listens to me. I am. I'm not enough. I am. God would say to us, I am who I am. And I will be enough in every situation, in every circumstance, in every detour of life. You will find.